You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. podcast presented by overdrive this is joe hi hello before we dive into today's episode remember to rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts or spotify those ratings really help us be seen by other people who would enjoy our podcast just like you so thank you so much remember you can follow us on social media we're on instagram twitter and tiktok at ProBookNerds, and then you can always email us with questions suggestions or comments all that good stuff, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that, let's get into today's episode. Well, everyone, today I am joined by Claire and Kristen, and we are going to be talking about some witchy reads. I know it's past Halloween at this point, but fall to me is very practical magic. It's hanging around. It's It's spooky spells, so I'm here for it. Claire, Kristen, hi. Hey, I am so excited about this episode. There are so many witchy books out there, and it is going to be very hard to pick which ones we talk about. Yeah, I know. We're we're really having to kind of like kill our darlings today because, (laughs) I mean, we're still going to give you quite a few titles to pick from, but there's so many good ones out there. It's no surprise to the listeners that I love a witchy read. What got both of you into kind of the witchy space, the, the I don't want to call it a genre, but, you know, like just kind of this element of, of literature? I think part of it was I was always like a woods kid where like I wanted to be out in nature and like exploring. And then it just kind of started that the fantastical elements of it and creating and making magic was something that always appealed to me. Also, a lot of like witchy stories, witchy reads tend to be very female centric, which is something I'm always pulled into. Not that they are exclusively uh, female centered, um, but I also I, I like some of the historical context of it. Um, and yeah, I think it was just like the fantastical side of it, the magic. I think that's a great way of putting it, Kristen. Like, I don't think I thought of myself as a woods kid until I got older and saw myself as like a witchy adult. And I was like, oh, I think there's a connection here that I didn't realize at the time. Um, There's sort of that escapism, you know, that like you're away from the rest of the world and you're in your own magic. Um, I feel like especially now as an adult where the, the world isn't always magical and maybe we don't always have power, seeing it through the lens of witchiness is really satisfying. Um, And I think also just like, there's something really satisfying about reading people who live outside of the norm and societal expectations and make their own choices without regard for how others see them. And I don't know, I think I think I've always enjoyed it, but definitely the older I get, the more I'm leaning in. I'm like, yes. 
Oh, you both said it so perfectly. <laughs> like the the magic of escapism. I also tend to be partial to our world, but there's magic. So mm. whether you're going kind of the fantasy, you're in a castle in a strange land, or you're just kind of like the the witch in the bookshop, which which one of us can't relate to that? <laughs> we are all the witch in the bookshop. <laughs> we are all the witch in the bookshop. Well, I, I guess we should probably dive in and give out some good recs. Who wants to start? I guess I'll go first. Um, I am going to start with a short story collection because I feel like if you are looking for a witchy read and you're not quite sure what you're in the mood for, short stories are a perfect place to go. Uh, and the one I read earlier this year was Hex Life, and it is edited by Rachel Autumn Deering. Like I said, it's a collection of short stories from multiple authors, such as Jennifer McMahone, Anya Aylborn, uh, Sherilyn Kenyon, Tanana Reeve Du, and Alma Katsu, just to name a few. So some names that some people might know. And the stories really range from more of the fantastical, magical side of things to some of like the horror and dark that is really fun. Um the first story in this collection kind of just sets this awesome tone where it feels very atmospheric. It is woodsy, witchy. You know, I got called out to the woods and all of a sudden there's this great big bonfire and like, am I a witch? Am I being called to be a witch? And you're just like, ooh, this is where it's at. This is what I'm here for. Um also, another one of the stories that really stood out to me was Tanana Reeve Dew's story, uh, which is about this woman and her nephew who are driving to a funeral luncheon after the funeral. And they end up on a road that starts getting really foggy. And all of a sudden, they're someplace weird. And they stop at this gas station, and they should not have stopped at that gas station. Um, it is such a fun book. There are a bunch of stories in here that really stuck with me. And I feel like with a short story collection, that can be kind of difficult because sometimes they can just all kind of swim together. Or you'll forget about them once you set it aside. But there are a lot of stories in here that I really enjoyed. That is magical, uh, pun intended. <laughs> there is something that I love about short stories because you get those bites, but I always end up at the end feeling like, yeah, just it still ended up being one book all kind of mashed together. So the fact that there were so many standouts. Yeah. Ugh. Um. So this one is possibly on people's radars already. It's one of the classics. So my first pick is The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Um, this is possibly one of my favorite books, not just witchy books, but one of my overall favorite books. So I was like, I can't help myself. Even if people know, I still have to tell them. Um, so for those of you who know and love Practical Magic, this is the prequel, but this one focuses on the delightful ants. So for the Owens family, as we probably know, love is a curse. Uh, it began in 1620 when Mariah Owens was charged with witchery for loving the wrong man. And then hundreds of years later in New York City, it's at the cusp of the 60s when the whole world is on the like the brisk of the brisk of change. Um, Susanna Owens knows that her three children are dangerously unique. You've got stubborn Franny and beautiful Jet, who we know from Practical Magic. And then there's also charismatic Vincent, who is new to the picture for us. So from the start, Susanna sets down rules for her children. Um, classic no, no witchery rules. So there's no walking in moonlight, no red shoes, no wearing black, no cats, no candy 
candles, and definitely never falling in love. That's the big one for the Owens. Um, but when her children visit their Aunt Isabel in the small Massachusetts town where the Owens family has been blamed for everything that has ever gone wrong, uh, they uncover family secrets and start to understand the truth of who they really are. Um, but the children obviously cannot escape love even if they try. That's a classic of the practical magic world. Um, so the two sisters are going to grow up to become the, the memorable aunts of practical magic, while Vincent, their beloved brother, will leave an unexpected legacy that is for maybe people who want to expand beyond the practical magic world of the movie or the book if they've already tied into that. Um, this one was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick when it came out in 2017. And since then, Alice Hoffman has also graced us with more Owens family stories. So there's also Magic Lessons, which is an even earlier prequel about Mariah Owens, who started it all. And then The Book of Magic, which is the conclusion to the Practical Magic series and brings together three generations of Owens women. So if you want witches, there's plenty of witches. Um, I I can't overstate how much I love this book. Like it's oversimplified just to say it's beautiful, but it is just beautiful. The writing, the world, the magic. Um, I also am a big fan of magic in the real world. That's sort of a trope I enjoy, like regular people with magic in their lives. And this one, this one covers it all. Um, I'm usually someone who needs more of like a strong plot to really appreciate the book, but for this one, for me, it's all about the atmosphere and the vibes. It's just a really beautiful world that Alice Hoffman creates, and I will always want more of it. I mean, you said all the right words. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't do a witchy episode without Alice Hoffman. Like, Certainly not. <laughs> that would be criminal. <laughs> I feel like we're going to reference Practical Magic a lot throughout this episode. So to not bring up anything from Alice Hoffman would, would be a travesty. <laughs> I love the magic in that world too, because it's like a little beyond magical realism where it's just like, oops, this one person happens to have, you know, can taste sound. That's a real thing. That is not magic. Um, but it's like, there is a little bit of witchery in those books. And so it's so much fun to see that in play within like the real world. Yeah, def I am a sucker for magical realism, but it's it's that. It's the step past that that I love the most. Just mm -hmm. ugh, eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first pick, I would say, fits that vibe really well. Kind of the practical magic, uh, what's happening in our world. And that is a uh, friend of the show, Rachel Harrison Cackle. I just read this as part of my Halloween season reads. And I know both Kristen and Claire are dying to talk about this one as well. So I'll just like quick get to it so we can chat about it. This was the winner of the Ladies of Horror Fiction Award for Best Novel. It's Deliciously Dark Feminist Tale of Witches, Bad Ex-Boyfriends, Good Coffee, and Friendly Spiders, which is always a surprise, a friendly spider. But this story follows Annie, who's always played it safe. She's always been nice. She has kind of fallen into the expected trope of like, just kind of say yes, just be accommodating. And after being dumped by her longtime boyfriend, she's looking for a fresh start. So she leaves New York City for a small upstate village in New York. Her new home is picture perfect and people are friendly and warm in the town, except it seems strange, like something is off, and she seems to find the source of the offness when Annie meets Sophie. Sophie is beautiful, charming, and magnetic, and she takes a special interest in Annie, who wants to be her friend. 
More importantly, she wants Annie to stop apologizing and start living for herself. That's how Sophie lives. And Annie can't help but gravitate toward Sophie and her energy and wanting to spend more time with her, despite the fact that the rest of the town seems to be afraid of Sophie. And so from there, Sophie is uncanny. She's ageless. She has this mansion in the middle of the woods. She seems to wield a certain power as well, but she couldn't be. Could she? So that's Cackle by Rachel Harrison. Now let's discuss (laughs) because that description doesn't give us much. (laughs) I have so much love for this book and I wish I would have read it again this season. It was one of my favorite books last year and I love Sophie's house. I thought it was fascinating. Um, I also love Sophie and I love her spiders. They were Mm -hmm. like, oh, they were very heartwarming. And again, for anyone who hates spiders, which is probably most of us, um, these ones are lovable. (laughs) Spiders deserve a better reputation. (laughs) (laughs) This, this book, I I picked it up because to me Rachel Harrison is horror and this is not horror. I mean there are there are horror elements that are kind of like thriller elements to it, but this is this is very much a witchy tale and it's not really a spoiler to say that it's a witchy tale because it's it's right there. You look at the cover, you go this is this is a book about a witch. But it's also this really... This is an episode about witches. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> if you got it from this wreck, oops, already spoiled it. <laughs> but it's also just like a great story of caring for yourself first and recognizing what it means to put yourself first without disrespecting other people and most importantly, not disrespecting yourself. So I, th- I think there's just so much to this beyond the supernatural elements beyond the the kind of like the villain origin story elements. So it's, I think it's good on all fronts. Yeah. Such a comfort read. I I also like you, you know, went in thinking, okay, horror, it's going to be horror. And it has the horror components without the scares. It has the atmosphere and the pieces, but it's so cozy. And it's one I had, put off reading for so long because when it came out, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to love this, but I need to be in the right headspace to fully appreciate it. And it took me way too long to finally read it. And then I did. And I just felt this sense of like calm empowerment and just peace. It was so wonderful. Uh, Yeah. I, once I stopped waiting for the scare, (laughs) I I really just, I was in it. (laughs) I think that was part of the thing with me where I just kept feeling this sense of suspense, like, when is it going to happen? I know it's coming. Um, And to a point that's really fun, but I was also like, I really love these characters and I don't want one of them to turn out to be super evil or for there to be, you know, something really bad that ends up happening. And this was like a pumpkin spice latte, but with like a shot in it or something (laughs) like that. Not a shot of espresso, (laughs) just something that spiced it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a gorgeous cover, like a beautiful cover. I'd put that up as a print. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> so I am going to continue going down a little bit of the darker side of the the witchy vein. Um, I want to talk about In the House in the Dark of the Wood by Laird Hunt. 
This is a bit more horror, but not, again, like really horror horror. Um, This is atmospheric. And so I will say it's a bit slower. So if you're someone who likes a fast pace, this might not be the one for you. But if you want something that's going to unfold in front of you, that is going to create a scene that sticks in your mind, this is the book for you. Uh, So our heroine is a good wife from the colonies. That's uh, the American colonies who gets lost in the woods and stumbles upon another woman in the woods and her cottage. From here, the story slowly unfolds to stay in the woods and find freedom or to return to her husband's home and her children to continue on with the life she knows. But freedom comes at a cost. The story feels very much like a New England folktale. You follow the path through the wood, but you have to make sure that you can find your way home. I really enjoyed this book because every now and then you just want to feel that atmosphere. I would highly suggest if you listen to this book or read this book, take it out to the woods, go on a hike, something like that and read it. I did this a couple years ago. I was listening to this book and I went hiking with it in the middle of the woods which just created a perfect atmosphere for it. So anyone who has some good hiking around them, I'd highly suggest this as an audiobook to take with you. Oh, I love that. I I love a book with a built-in activity. <laughs> it, and and the description of New England folktale, like sign me up. Yes. Yes, there are images in this book that like I will not get out of my head and it's not cuz they're super horrific. It's because they're just beautifully written and they created a scene that was felt very real. I love a world where forest equals freedom too. You know, I feel like often it's this very sinister realm, but I love when it's a space of like finding yourself and being free. Yes, unless is that- <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> i will follow Kristen down that dark atmospheric sort of classic road um so my next pick is going to be Slewfoot: a tale of the witchery by brahm which i know Kristen has also read and probably has opinions on um this is probably of my picks the closest to a typical historical witchcraft account um it's set in 1666 connecticut So an ancient spirit awakens in a dark wood. The wild folk call him father, slayer, and protector. The colonists call him slewfoot, demon, and devil. To Abatha, a recently widowed outcast, alone and vulnerable in her pious village, he's the only one she can turn to for help. So the book opens with a note that in October of 1666, 112 townsfolk were killed by the devil. So that should really set the stage for where this book is going. Um, The story then flashes back to March of that year, as Abatha's trying to survive under puritanical rule. Her brother-in-law is trying to take her farm from her now that her husband is gone, and Abatha's bold enough to actually resist this and stand up against him in front of everybody in town. So the devil figure in the woods finds companionship with Abatha and uses its power to help her discover her own. So I personally sometimes feel nervous reading a witch story that's set in a more classic puritanical society. I find the conflict incredibly stressful and frustrating. Like, 
I I don't know. There's always that really annoying character who's like an independent woman with her own thoughts. It's a witch. And there's something about that that just drives me nuts and makes me feel so stressed as I'm reading it. But I think this one balances it really well. Like it definitely has those characters that are like, we need to bring her down. Um, But at the same time, you're getting some folk magic in there, which really balances it out. And it makes the story feel a little more grounded in the celebration of magic as well as just like the fear of it. And so I like that balance of it. Um, And almost an opposite of what you're saying, Kristen Rears, was an audiobook pick, I would recommend the ebook for this one or a physical copy because it features full-color paintings from Brahm illustrating the characters throughout, and they are absolutely stunning. Like, the book could certainly be enjoyed without the art, so I definitely get the audiobook too. There's nothing wrong with that, but I really think it adds something to the experience to see the really beautiful and haunting images, and it almost feels more immersive, like you're out in the forest with Abatha. This is like the witch tale that I always wanted someone to write. And then Brom did it. And I was like, thank <laughs> you. This is perfect. Um, I also have a really hard time with like the persecution element mm-hmm. of a lot of witchcraft tales. Yeah. But this one, the ending is so good. And it just, it makes you like, it makes you feel really good at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say anyone who enjoyed the movie Witch with Anna Taylor-Joy, this is one you might want to check out. I feel like it's in that sort of vein. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of these picks, I've just been thinking of the witch. (laughs) (laughs) They both very much feel like the witch. My next pick is from Margarita Montemore, who I know Marissa brought up in our Magical Realism episode. Uh, She's the author of Una Out of Order. This is Acts of Violet. So this is a listed as a dazzling new novel. Um, It was a Good Morning America book club pick. And we look into the life of Violet Volk. Nearly a decade ago, she was an iconic magician who performed her greatest trick yet, vanishing mid-act. While Violet sought out the spotlight, her sister Sasha had to be the responsible one. But Sasha can never seem to escape her sister's tumultuous orbit. Then there's Cameron Frank, determined to finally get his big break hosting a podcast devoted to all things Violet. Though keeping his job hinges on an exclusive interview with Sasha, the last person who wants to talk to him. As the 10-year anniversary approaches, the podcast picks up steam and Cameron's pursuit of Sasha becomes increasingly intrusive. Meanwhile, Sasha begins to experience an unsettling series of sleepwalking episodes and coincidences which all lead back to Violet. Pushed to her emotional limits, Sasha must finally confront the most painful truths about her sister and herself, even at the risk of losing everything. So this alternates between Sasha's narration and Cameron's podcast transcripts, which I love, and interspersed with documents that offer a tantalizing peek at Violet herself. It's original. It's propulsive. It's just, I love a podcast within a book because it just adds a different kind of flavor to it. And while this one isn't like as directly witchy as some of our other picks, I love this kind of magical realism skew that gives the unsettling element and the way that that really builds as we head toward the conclusion of the story and what will Sasha decide and what will she find out about herself and what she'll share with the world. So that is Acts of Violet by Margarita Montemore. I love it. I'm also curious if the audiobook, because it has that podcast element, if it has different narrators and stuff in it. 
It right. does. <laughs> I oh, listened it does? Okay. I listened to it on a road trip and it was amazing because they fully produced the podcast sessions to sound like a real podcast. So there's oh, multiple narrators, it. there's like sound effects. So both. We recommend both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> it lives up. <laughs> Every time that there's a podcast and they produce it correctly in the audiobook, I'm I'm sold. <laughs> so happy <laughs> i love that you picked this one too joe because i don't know that they ever use the word witch it's sort of like an ambiguous almost implied concept and i think that's really cool i every once in a while i like to be like i'm gonna make it right in on the theme but but <laughs> oh, i'm gonna skirt the line only just it's there's something about the like camp of a, a magician performer kind of thing and the idea of what if what if they did have that real magic? Oh, that sounds great. All right. I'm going to go full on fantastical now uh, with The Witchery by Sophie Isabel. I want to start off by saying I don't know why more people aren't talking about this book. I don't think I ever heard anyone talking about it. And then I was in a bookstore and they had this book on display and the cover caught me. The original cover is four young ladies who are in a circle holding hands and they are all looking out at you, the reader, with this look on their face that's like, how dare you interrupt us? Like, what do you want? And I was like, ooh, who are they? I need to be their friend. I want them to accept me. <laughs> so this is a YA fantasy about Mesmort's Coven Academy and it is haunted. The woods open their maw on a yearly basis for the wolves who come to hunt. Four witches from the academy decide they will be the group that is going to solve the curse and bring them down. So we start with Logan, who's new to the academy and having a hard time with her powers. She cannot control them like everyone else. So this is something she's dealing with throughout the book. And I will say the chapters are all from a different perspective, which is something I really enjoy. Um, if that's not something you enjoy, I think you should still try this book. <laughs> so Logan is invited to become part of a group of powerful witches at the school referred to as the Red Three. There is Iris, who is a necromancer, uh, Jayla, who is the one who is one of the most powerful witches at the school and Talia, who is a green witch. Again, we follow each of them and they kind of talk through some issues, some personal issues that they're having some group dynamic things. We're hearing the story from their perspectives, but it continues moving on instead of it being like, Oh, well, Talia was over here doing that. Logan was over here doing this. It, it just keeps it moving. So I don't know why, like I said, I wish more people were talking about this book. I thought that um, reading through their struggles and the strengths and determination from each of the witch's perspective, and the story was a little bit dark, but it was really fast paced. I just wanted to keep reading this book. I will say that this is, I think it's just going to be a duology, but I'm not sure. The second book called Shadow Coven is out. So if you want to read this book, you can then immediately read the second book. Um, I think you could probably also read this one as a standalone. I think that would be okay. I really loved it. Again, I loved the group dynamic. I love a witchy school. Um, 
I will say the school aspect of things is not something that's concentrated on too much. Um, I also really enjoyed the town that they live in, which is a mix of kind of mundane, which is like non-magical folk and um, these witches. So it was another, just a really fun one, a good fantasy. This cover is stunning and I'm borrowing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love a group of four with, giving us each of their perspective i'm a i'm a sucker for that especially in a ya story i like that shifting voice and i'm always down for new magic systems popping into my life (laughs) yes we all know about dark academia i feel like we need more witchy academia that's that's the world that i want to be in (laughs) oh my god thank you so much yes Yes. (laughs) yeah dark academia is great and all but, but witchy but academia have you is heard better of witchy academia? <laughs> have you considered <laughs> um okay so my next pick is the witch's heart by genevieve gornachek this is the story of a banished witch who falls in love with the legendary trickster loki of norse mythology and in doing so makes her a target of wrathful gods so I will admit, I did not know much about Norse mythology before the movie Thor came out, but I did some digging after that because I was like, ooh, okay, what what about this? Like, I know about my Greek mythology, but this is different. Um, it's fascinating. It's dark. It's beautiful. I love it. And so if you have any interest in that, this is the book to dive in. So Angravoda's story begins where most witches' tales end, with the burning. It's a punishment from Odin for refusing to provide him with knowledge of the future, and the fire leaves Angravoda injured and powerless, so she flees into the farthest reaches of a remote forest. There she is found by a man who reveals himself to be Loki, and after her initial distrust of him, it slowly transforms into a deep love. Their union produces three unusual children, each with a secret destiny who Angravoda wants to raise at the edge of the world, safely hidden from Odin's all-seeing eye. But as Angravoda slowly recovers her prophetic powers, she learns that her life and possibly all of existence is in danger. Angravoda is going to have to choose whether she'll accept the fate that she's foreseen for her family or rise to remake their future. So this is a story of love, loss, hope, and of course, magic. And I am obsessed with this book. I read it maybe a year or two ago. Um, I think it's the author. It was the author's debut novel. um, And I was sort of like taken aback by how gorgeous it is. And I also love this different take on Loki. Like, I think just as a character, he has he's so multifaceted and amazing. And so to see him through a less, like, comedic lens and more of a complex character um, was really satisfying. So good timing with season two of Loki out. For anyone who's looking for more, go ahead and check this out. Um, this one's also a great pick for anyone who enjoyed Circe by Madeline Miller. It has that sort of mythological, historical witch component to it. Um, and since this one came out, the author also published another one called The Weaver and the Witch Queen, which is on my TBR list. So if you like this one, The Witch's Heart, and want to keep going with the witch vibes, she has more. So definitely, I, I really love this one and highly recommend it. Also an Ohio author, so that's fun. Oh, I love yeah. it. This was <laughs> such a good read. I, I feel like Claire and I are on the same wavelength with what we read. <laughs> we understand. We, we know yes. We know what we like. Yeah. Yes. I also really enjoyed the story and I really enjoyed the setting of this too. Cause again, she's like at the edge of the world. So she's in these deep woods and it's just her. And then she ends up like finding a friend and yeah, it, it was Classic so beautiful. Yes. And if you want the extra do- drama, there's the risk of Ragnarok. So that's always a, a good threat when you're looking for something extra dramatic. Cause I feel like it's sort of a, 
quiet story with a massive impending doom at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, her life is sort of like still and quiet as she's recovering and, and falling in love with Loki. But there's always on the edge of the horizon, the end of the world. So yeah. it really raises the stakes a little bit. <laughs> My next pick is After the Forest by Kel Woods from our friends over at Tour. This one came out this year. It's a, a fresh title, October 3rd of 2023. Uh, it is a dark and enchanting fantasy debut from Kel Woods that explores the repercussions of a childhood filled with magic and a young woman contending with the truth of happily ever after. Ginger, honey, cinnamon, flower. 20 years after the witch in the gingerbread house, Greta and Hans are struggling to get by. Their mother and stepmother are long dead, Hans is deeply in debt from gambling, and the countryside lies in ruin. It's people starving in the aftermath of a brutal war. Greta has a secret. The witch's grimoire hidden away and whispering in Greta's ear for the past two decades, and the recipe inside that makes the best gingerbread you've ever tasted. As long as she can bake, Greta can keep her small family afloat. But in a village full of superstition, Greta and her mysteriously addictive gingerbread, not to mention the rumors about her childhood misadventures, is a source of gossip and suspicion. And now, dark magic is returning to the woods, and Greta's magic, magic she's still trying to understand, may be the only thing that can save her, if it doesn't kill her first. So, similar vein to Claire's pick, that we've got a little bit of that, that classic storytelling instead of Hansel and Gretel we've got Greta and Hans and you know how do you keep your family surviving and thriving maybe you turn to an evil witch's book of magic to create some addictive gingerbread why not and of course along the way realize that maybe you're the only one who can save your town I think this one looks so good it's been on my list I love like a fairy tale retelling and then it's witchy. So this is ticking a lot of boxes. So my next book, because I, I want to keep it in like the fairy tale realm, I want to talk about Kiss and Spell uh, by Celestine Martin. This is the second book in the Elemental Love series. And we are switching veins a little bit and going into romance because there is a lot of witchy romance. So this is about Ursula, who is a witch trying to reclaim her life and her magic after being left at the altar. Uh, that is like a big focus of the story. It starts off being like she was left at the altar and she was just really great about it. But now she's living in that same small town uh, where that happened. And so it feels like she can't really get away from it. And she based a lot of her goals around being, you know, her future husband's wife. And so she's trying to kind of figure herself out and get back into her magic. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, 
and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Prince Xavier was cursed to have to find his perfect kiss if he wants to go back to the fairy realm. So we have a witch and we have a fairy prince. And what starts his friendship may turn into something much more. So this took place in Freya Grove. And it is just this really cute, magical town um, and kind of had some, you know, Stars Hollow feel a little bit. It It is on like the Jersey Shore. I will say that. Um, But it was like this safe haven for all these different kinds of creatures. We're really sticking with Ursula in this one. And I will say this is, like I said, it's the second book in the series. I had not read the first book in this series. And I was totally fine. There was maybe a character from the first book, a couple of characters that I didn't know their story from the first book, but it was okay. If I wanted to go back and read the first book, I, I can without it feeling like I had spoilers or anything like that. So if you are looking for some witchy romance, this one has a little bit of spice in it. So if that's your thing, you've got it in there. This one was really fun. Again, a bit of a fairy tale vibe uh, with some witchery added in. And the witch is not the villain. So that's really nice. (laughs) The dream. The witch isn't the villain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also just thinking of if Gilmore Girls was redone with the cast of Jersey Shore, once you said Stars Hollow and, <laughs> and on the Jersey Shore, my brain is a prison. But that's that's what I started thinking about. <laughs> my head is exploding. <laughs> Just a lot of like bubble hairdos and really tan, tan people. Oh, so tan. Miss Patty's dancing would be a lot different in that version of Stars Hollow. <laughs> Luke's would not be a coffee shop. It would be a bar. It would be a club. (laughs) Didn't know I needed it, but yes. (laughs) Um, I'll keep the fairy tale vibe going for my next pick. Um, It's Into the Forest, Tales of Baba Yaga, edited by Lindy Ryan. So fairy tales, but with more of the the grim lens, perhaps. A little less romance, maybe. Um, So I love Baba Yaga. I'm not sure that I can stress this enough. She is the woman. She is the myth, the legend. Uh, for anyone who's less familiar, Baba Yaga is surrounded by lore, and she changes from tale to tale, so she's really hard to sort of like pin down as a single figure. But she's sort of like the Wicked Witch of Slavic folklore, um, and she's all about the wild and the fierce and the feminine. She's typically depicted as a crone figure who has iron teeth and a house that walks around on chicken feet, which is, you know, new goal. Um, she can be either warm and welcoming, or she can be a little cruel and wicked to unsuspecting travelers, depending on the story. Um, but she always lives in the margins or on the border of places away from civilized society. And she's very often tied to the forest and the earth. So no matter what version of Baba Yaga you're getting, there's generally some, some recurring themes through there. So Into the Forest is a collection that brings together some of the leading voices of women in horror, paying tribute to Baba Yaga in all of her many iterations with 23 dark feminist fairy tales. The stories touch a variety of tones and themes, but I think a common thread is women seeking or reaching out to Baba Yaga for freedom in their lives in some way. Um, And I will say, full disclaimer, I'm not entirely done with this one. I started the audiobook maybe a week ago, um, and I've been listening to it bit by bit through the Halloween season because I wanted to keep it like I wanted to read a book while also listening to a story here and there. So 
so far, I highly recommend. Very good. Um, I've been trying to get more into short stories and anthologies lately. I feel like this time of year, especially, there's so many books I want to read where there's a limited atmospheric window. And so I'm trying to fit in as much as I can of the spooky season before the Whovilles sort of come out and start singing. I'm not ready for that. Um, so I've been enjoying this one a lot. I highly recommend it. It's um, it's a little darker, but not like horror, if you know what I mean. Like it's it's that dark fairy tale, that dark fantasy more so than anything that's truly scary or horrific. So if that sounds intriguing to you, I would highly recommend it. And I think it can easily extend behind beyond the Halloween season. I feel like that's that's year round, but especially I think dark winter months, this one would be a good fit. That's the best part about witchy reads is that you can take them like through October and right up to the edge of December, like yes. get through Thanksgiving <laughs> and still have all of those, those good witchy vibes. Exactly. Baba Yaga is such a cool character just because again, she's mercurial. It's she's ever changing. Is she going to help you or is she going to murder you? Difficult to say. Yeah. <laughs> and either way, still great. It was anyone else's introduction to Baba Yaga, Arthur? That was how I learned about Baba Yaga. Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> but I love this. There is there is fully an episode. Um, hold on, now I have to Google. Arthur Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah, episode. Okay, season three, episode 12. Don't guess how old I am. Uh, <laughs> the Oh, there's an Arthur wiki. Here we go. Um, I'm an adult. Uh, I had to answer that question. The episode is entitled What Scared Sue Ellen? Uh, so they're on, in the treehouse. And yeah, basically, she's reading scary stories to tell in the dark. Like that's the, the kind of foil here. And everyone starts sharing stories. And then she has this like nightmare, I think, where the treehouse that they always are hanging out with becomes Bob. So it gets chicken legs. And I don't remember who ends up being Baba Yaga in it because I'm pretty sure it's one of one of the gang, but uh, oh, <laughs> Buster amazing. thinks, yeah, Buster thinks he sees Baba Yaga in her hut, but it turns out to be just the treehouse. It's, oh, it's so good that, but that was my <laughs> intro. And then I was like, is Arthur why I love mythology? Is Sailor Moon why I love mythology? I all of it. I think who knew that Arthur it? was such a gateway to horror because that was my introduction <laughs> to Jekyll and Hyde. There's a whole song when that one guy is like dreaming about Jekyll and Hyde, and that one's catchy. That's that was my intro. Jekyll, Jekyll Hyde. It it lives up here. Oh yeah, same. No matter how old I am, you could you could ask me on point to sing it, and I've got you. Absolutely, and of course, having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. Absolutely, that's right. Thank you, I mean, Arthur. Arthur was right. <laughs> well, because I continue to derail us between uh, the the Gilmore Shore and Arthur conversations. My next pick is another recent release. This one came out October 3rd of this year as well, 2023. It's the start of a new series, Witch and Hunter, from Sarah Rosh and Beth Revis. This is Night of the Witch. So New York Times bestselling authors Sarah and Beth weave a tale of romance, vengeance, and magic in this start to the Witch and Hunter duology, an epic enemies-to-lovers fantasy romance. We know Joe is getting into romance here and i have learned that i like enemies to lovers <laughs> fritzy is a witch the lone survivor of a brutal attack on her coven she's determined to find her only remaining family member and bring the hexen jaegers zealot witch hunters to justice for the lives they ended 
To do this, she will need to take down their leader, the merciless and enigmatic Commandant Dieter Kirch. Otto is a Hexenjäger, but that's just his cover. Years ago, they burned his innocent mother alive, and he has been plotting his revenge against the people who tore his family apart ever since. And now the time has come for them to pay for what they've done. When Fritzi and Otto are unexpectedly thrown together, neither is sure they can trust the other. The reluctant truce, fueled by their common enemy, takes them from city takes them from the city at the heart of the Hexenjäger's power to the wild and mysterious Black Forest. As old truths come to light and new dangers are revealed, Fritzi and Otto uncover a horrifying magical plot at the center of the Hexenjäger attacks that leads back to Kirch. But their own growing feelings for each other may be the most powerful magic of all. So if you also like enemies to lovers and you like... I don't know, you know, to be a little elsewhere from kind of our own corner of the world. I mean, it's romanticy, it's witchy, it's magical, it's YA fiction, it's historical fiction. I'm trying to check a couple boxes with this one. <laughs> You've got every single buzzword with that one just nailed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get someone with this one. <laughs> And book one, I, I love the new trend of duologies as well. I, I like the trend of it. I like, uh, here's a new series, but there's only two books. So lower commitment, <laughs> lower commitment. And for people who read as much as we do, it's nice to have low yes. commitment on a series. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am notorious for reading book one in a series and then I will not continue with it. Same. <laughs> I have a lot of guilt about it. <laughs> exactly. Oh. But I also like, Kristen, to your point earlier, when you can just pick a random book in a series and it's pretty standalone. <laughs> yes, it's totally fine. You're not missing anything. <laughs> um, so I am going to get a little bit more into the nonfiction because, of course, witches are a thing out there in the world. And I do want to start by saying, if you are interested in the history of witchcraft in witchcraft in America, the book I will tell you to go for is The Witches, Salem 1692 by Stacey Schiff. It is an excellent account of what happened at the witch trials, why kind of, you know, Salem went crazy with witches. Um, it is so good. And it also does a really, Stacey does a good job of outlining a lot of the women who were accused, uh, what happened to them, things like that. So that is not the book I am going to talk about, but I just, I have to name it because it's been a number of years. I don't feel like I can talk about it very well at this point, but it's so good as far as I remember. The book I want to talk about is called The Witching Year by Diana Helmuth, and this is a memoir of Diana's year trying to practice witchcraft. Um, I walked into this book a little bit hesitant just because it feels kind of disingenuous. Uh, the author talks about how she is going to spend a year getting into witchcraft because she wants to write this book about it. And so to go into a spiritual practice being like, well, I'm trying to, you know, make money off of it feels a little icky. Um, but I really enjoyed this memoir. I thought it was a great primer for, you know, someone like me who really knows nothing about the spiritual practices. 
um, of, you know, any sort of witchcraft or, you know, where it came from. This was really nice because we are going through everything with Diana because she is learning about it all at the same time as well. So it's 365 days of her reading the books, fumbling with her altar, and, you know, reaching out to friends, asking how things are supposed to be done. Um, some things I learned is that there is no one true way of practicing witchcraft. Uh, it is a religion that is kind of set up around you figure it out for yourself. Whatever feels right to you is your practice. And there's something that feels very freeing about that, especially from someone coming from a Christian background where it's like, nope, this is the book. These are the rules. That's what you do. And I appreciated that Diana talked about sometimes really wanting that book and those rules because she felt like she was failing at everything. She had no idea what she was doing or if she was doing it right. Um, but there is a lot of freedom in the practice. Uh, she talks about a lot of the cultural appropriation of witchcraft and people who are practicing and, you know, kind of where that comes from and how she was dealing with that. And then since she is a uh, white woman from, I think she said she, it was like Portuguese and maybe some like Celtic roots. She's like, I was trying to find a craft that was, you know, based in Celtic origins, kind of that pagan thing. And she's like, and unfortunately, a lot of those are, you know, white supremacist groups, things like that. So <laughs> she was like, so I kind of had to do things on my own. And borrow stuff from friends. But this was a really good memoir. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really also, I learned a lot because again, I'm coming from Tableau Rasa here where I don't, I don't know anything. So just the idea that there are witches, you can be a Jewish witch, you can be a kitchen witch or a green witch. There's just a lot of different ways to find a practice. Um, and you don't even have to, you can practice witchcraft without practicing the religious side of things. Um, I, I liked it. It's kind of a choose your own adventure of a religion, which is, I hope I am not um, offending anyone out there by saying that, but it was just, it was a very interesting look into a woman seeing what it's like to become a witch or to practice witchcraft. So yeah, I really, I liked it. I love that. I love that it's different than your like classic how-to story or, you know, someone who has been like raised with a certain practice and come up that way. I love that it's sort of like a, this is how I have tried and failed. <laughs> that sounds really refreshing. Yeah, it was really good. I really appreciated that a lot of the things she said were things that I'm like, I would do something like that where she's like, yeah, so I'm trying to currently make this spell and I only have about a third of the ingredients, but you know what? We're just going to go with it in witchcraft. It's just about, you know, the feel. And <laughs> it was just something where I'm like, yeah, I've, I've done that. <laughs> I definitely had none of the ingredients for a recipe and said, I can substitute some things. <laughs> we're yeah, going in. You know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd say this is great for anyone who is, you know, interested in witchcraft as far as, you know, the modern uh, witchiness goes. Anyone who is on like witch talk, uh, which is me, I'm intrigued by it. It's not something I really want to practice, but I think it's so interesting. Or if 
maybe you're just starting out in your practice. This might be good to, you know, read about someone else who just started their practice and how things went for them to give you a little bit of assurance that you are not alone. It is difficult. My next pick is also a nonfiction. We'll stay in that vein. And it's another one that's like genuinely one of my favorite nonfiction, not just in the witchy world. It's an Edgar Award writing travel writer who spends an autumn living in one of America's spookiest tourist destinations, Salem, Massachusetts. So this one is called A Season with the Witch by J.W. Ocker, and it is so much fun. So Salem is maybe one of the strangest cities on the planet. A single event in its 400 years of history, the Salem Witch Trials of 1692, transformed it into the capital of creepy in America. And that's that is its identity now, no matter what else happens. So um it's it's finding a way to live with that, but also be its own self. Um, so Salem is a seasonal town, and the season happens to be Halloween for obvious reasons. So every October, this tiny city of 40,000 swells to close to half a million of, of witches, goblins, ghouls, and ghosts, and their admirers as they descend on Essex Street. And so in the fall of 2015, a cult enthusiast and Edgar Award-winning writer J.W. Ocker moved his family of four to downtown Salem to experience firsthand a season with the witch. So he he visited all of its historical sites and the attractions, and in between, he interviews its leaders and citizens, the entrepreneurs, the tourists, performers, Wiccans, psychics, and critics, pretty much everyone he can get his hands on, to create a picture of this unique place and the people who revel in it or just endure it for its witchiness. This book was so much fun. The writer has a great voice. It's really upbeat and amusing, but also really informative. Like you, you feel like you're getting the full experience. Um, I have been to Salem once and it was in May. I, it was amazing. Like, I feel like even though it was not the prime spooky season, you can still make it that if you want it to, while also experiencing, you know, a world-class art museum, the New England historical components of the city and so there's really a lot to experience. Um, I would love to do Salem in October, but I don't know that I'm cut out for those big crowds. Like it seems a little daunting to me. So I really love that I got the experience vicariously through this book. And I really felt as if I was there. Um, so if I did decide to go someday, I would know what I want to go to, maybe what I want to avoid, how I want to plan in advance. Um, so it's definitely like travel guide meets memoir meets humor book. It's it's a really perfect blend. Um, and he approaches it really authentically. You know, he comes in pretty open-minded um, and it's interviewing everyone from the people who are literally just trying to live their lives in Salem, who are just happen to be there and have to like endure October there. And then also the people who flock from all over the world to experience like the biggest Halloween party there is and, and how it transforms the city and how um, just like the range of, of what that can be for different people. So it's a quick read. It's super fun. Um, and you get the insider perspective with all the behind the scenes scoops. So I highly recommend it, whether you plan to go or not in October. Um, either way, I think it's a fun one for everybody. Really rest in peace to my TBR. Because, <laughs> <laughs> but I I also have visited, I've been to Salem a couple times. I have not been in October, but mm-hmm. I've I've gotten close. I've done the like, I've been there in May, I've been there in the middle of the summer, and I've been there at like the end of September, where I was like, You're creeping why in. didn't I know I was like, why didn't I just wait a little longer? But much like you, Claire, I could not, I can't even think about those crowds, especially not 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 now. <laughs> but it's daunting. <laughs> it's it, no matter when you go, it's always 
the it's always Halloween. Although there is a bit of a shock when you first kind of pull into Salem and you're like, oh, this is just a city. Like it's it, it this <laughs> is Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, right. It's Massachusetts at its finest that they've used every square inch of what little land they have. And you know, first you're like, how are there so many houses? This is just supposed to look like Halloween town and hocus pocus. <laughs> but <laughs> it is oh a time. Oh, I've been meaning to read that book. And now I'm like, yeah, I should probably do that. <laughs> it's definitely a fun one. Like, like I said, even if you have no, no plans of going to Salem full stop, no plans of going to Salem for October. I think it's, it's like a cultural study almost of mm-hmm. like how, how this city has become what it is, why it stays what it is. And the balance of like kitsch and respectfulness. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like it really toes that line. Well, of like, absurdly outlandish in its embracing of like historic witches and what the history is of this town, but also a real reverence for that history and how those two come together in, like you said, a very small space. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting study of like how Salem is what it is. Some fascinating anthropology for real. (laughs) (laughs) So I would be remiss if I didn't throw out Juno Dawson's, debut into the adult writing space. You probably know a lot of Juno's YA. Starting off her adult series, Her Majesty's Royal Coven. There's the title for you as well. It's the name of the series, but the book as well, Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. This was published in July of last year, and it was the number one Sunday Times bestseller. Hidden Among Us is a secret government department of witches known as Her Majesty's Royal Coven. They protect crown and country from magical forces and otherworldly evil, but their greatest enemy will come from within. There are whisperings of a prophecy that will bring the coven to its knees, and four best friends are about to be caught at the center. Life as a modern witch will never was never simple, but now it's about to get apocalyptic. Prepare to be bewitched by Juno Dawson's first adult series, a story of ancient prophecies and modern dating of sacred sisterhood and demonic frenemies. I mean, that's that's all I need. That's all I need right there. This is witchy. This is horror. This is fantasy. I love the idea of a secret part of the government that is dealing with witchcraft. And then, of course, you can follow it up with book two, The Shadow Cabinet, which came out this past June, so June 2023. So if you're ready for book two already, it's sitting here waiting for you. Dive in. (laughs) Again, I love it when the second book is already out, if you want to start the series. Also, I love that that sounds a little bit like digging into the Ministry of Magic, Yeah, I love the like, what is the council of witchery doing to either protect the the witchy world from the normal folk? What is going on? Yeah, I'm I'm into that. What's behind the scenes? Well, I have one more book to talk about. And it didn't feel right to not bring up something uh, that had a more voodoo, hoodoo focus. So I am going to talk about The Good House by Tanana Reeve Dew. I have other books that I can recommend as far as, you know, voodoo practitioners go. Um, but again, I've already talked about Tanana Reeve Dew for the first book, which was Hex Life. And so it just feels right to round out my choices with another one from her. 
This takes place in a small town in Washington where there is a house that is known because its owner helps the townsfolk, but something goes terribly wrong one night and that family is cursed from there on. Decades later, Angela must return to this same house, the good house, to decide if she wants to sell it or keep it. And the problem is that this house has very bad memories for her. It is where her son was murdered. And she is hoping to go back there and figure out what happened. So this is a story that is horror-based. I will say there are themes of abuse within here. So if that is not something that you want to read about, this might not be for you. Um, But this also has some, like, woods vibes. Uh, It also, there is just the figure within this that is kind of creating all of the havoc is so creepy. I really enjoyed reading this book and it is a really interesting story. So Angela now lives, I want to say she's in Oakland, but she might be in LA somewhere in California. And so it's kind of going back and forth as she's deciding what to do with this house And then her ex-husband is also involved. And there's just a cast of characters that kind of unwinds. And part of it is that it's also about her ancestry of the people who lived in this house, who owned this house before her, why she's having a hard time giving it up, and then what is happening to the house and to the townsfolk and what might have happened to her son. I think Tanana Reevdu is an excellent writer. And I think that this book is so good and so creepy. So go into this one, uh, you know, with, with your blankie and pillow, <laughs> be ready for a scare. One to read with the lights on maybe. <laughs> yes. That sounds really good. It does. And I would absolutely love your list of books with voodoo and hoodoo in them. So, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, I also, I just started listening to Black Candle Women by Diane Marie Brown. Um, There is Root Work by Tracy Cross. Um, I think there's another one that's called Root Work that is a middle grade novel. And I'm I'm going to have to figure that out. Okay, I'm yes. I'm pretty sure because that was somewhere in all of my compiling in the last couple of days. Yes, I read that one a couple of years ago and it was excellent. That one is about I'm sorry, I'm just going off on on <laughs> some voodoo books. Um I think that one's probably more hoodoo focused uh cuz it's about the practice. Um and it's about this little girl who is trying to learn the magic. And then it takes place, I think, in like maybe 1950s, uh, like South Carolina, something like that. So she's also dealing with racism within her town. And um, it is a really good story of family and connection with your ancestry. Um, And I, I just I really enjoyed that one. So if you're cool with middle grade, I would highly suggest that I am going to try and find the author for it. The author is Eden Royce. 
Um, so my next pick is also a small town in Washington with some witchy ancestries, but it's a different lens. So in the last year, I've started getting really into cozy mysteries and very specifically the subgenre of magical cozy mysteries. Like I'm obsessed with small town witches solving crimes and discovering their power. Like I want that's all I want to read forever, but I have to like branch out and read other stuff too. So I'm just going to give one of the many that I love of this genre. Um, this is Steep to Death by Gretchen Rue. So the town is Raven Creek, and it's about as cozy as it gets. Phoebe Winchester's beloved Aunt Eudora had a taste for adventure and a knack for making, making magical teas. It's even rumored that she was a witch. So when Eudora passed away and left everything to her niece, which includes her Victorian mansion, her bookshop slash tea store, the Earl's study, and a very chubby orange cat named Bob, Phoebe is getting way more than she bargained for. And it's perfect timing. She's just gotten out of this divorce. She's sort of refiguring her life out and... As it happens, her aunt has left her with all the things that she needs to rebuild her life, as if she knows exactly what Phoebe needs. Um, but Phoebe knows that she's in deep trouble when a dead man is found on the shop's back step, apparently killed while trying to break in. So two suspects immediately emerge among the townspeople. There is the village busybody, Deirdre Miller, who seems desperate to buy Eudora's house. And then there's also handsome P.I. Rich, who is one of Phoebe's childhood friends. But how well does she really know him after all of these years? So Phoebe knows that she should leave it to the professionals, but she starts to dig, as one does, and she gets into the underbelly of Raven Creek and starts to uncover the truth about Eudora. And what's more, her aunt might not have been the only witch in the family, as Phoebe soon discovers that she has some unique and unexpected gifts of her own. So now it's just a matter of putting her newfound power to the test and casting a spell that could catch the killer. So this one is just such a fun read. I am so in love with tea magic in any form. To me, it is one of my favorites because I think it's one of the coziest kinds that there is and also like the closest to our world if we're going to create magic. Like pour yourself a cup of tea and just like pour your intentions into it and you have created your own magic. Like it, there's something about that that I love so much. Um, and this book also has some tasty recipes included that I am dying to try out on the next snowy weekend we get. So um, highly recommend it if you're looking for a cozy winter read, snuggle up with this one. Um, it was the first in the Witch's Brew mystery series. And then the second one, Death by a Thousand Sips, came out in September. So if you're looking for more, there's plenty more where that came from. Claire, I just broke into cozies this year. <laughs> and... I'm obsessed. Welcome. It's a brave new world. <laughs> yeah. I shocked my own self. Like, I didn't, like, the term cozy mystery, I didn't think applied to me. And then I was like, well, Nancy Drew, Murder, She Wrote. Like, and then as soon as I allowed myself to get into that world, I was like, oh, my God. I, yeah, this yeah. is it. <laughs> it's so great. My last pick is The Witches of Bone Hill by Ava Morgan. I'm sure most of you have seen this one. It's been on a lot of lists, but it just came out in September of this year. And it's a spellbinding romantic novel about family secrets and two young women who discover their Nordic witches. Cordelia Bones' meticulously crafted life and career in Dallas are crashing down around her thanks to a philandering husband with criminal debts. When her older, carefree sister Eustace, a cannabis grower in Boulder, calls to inform her that the great aunt they never met has died and they must travel to a small town in Connecticut to deal with the estate, she sees an opportunity to unload the house and save herself. 
But once there, the sisters learn they are getting much more than they bargained for. The Victorian mansion they stand to inherit is bound in a dynasty trust controlled by their late aunt's aging attorney, who insists they retain and inhabit the house, but keeps them in the dark about the peculiar rituals of their ancestors. Not to mention a sexy, tattooed groundskeeper with a shrouded past who refused to leave the carriage house and a crypt full of dead relatives looming at the property line. As both women grapple with their current predicament, they come face to face with a haunting family secret, the truth of what happened to their mother, and the enemy that's been stalking them from the shadows for generations. So it's a twisting torrent of terror and blood. The sisters must uncover the power within them to heal their fractured relationship, reverse their mysteriously declining health, and claim the lineage they wanted to escape but now must embrace if they are to survive at Bone Hill. So you got a little bit of the just kind of like what you might think at first when we said Richie, witchy reads of just that kind of like, oh, you know, they're ending up in like a the witchy version of like a Hallmark story. But no, we've got we've got some spooky settings. We've got some mysterious deaths. We've got crypts and we have a sexy groundskeeper. So like what more could you need? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good. And Joe, I literally just bought this book. So I'm so happy that you're talking about it and that you enjoyed it because it does sound so good. It was it was a great time. Excellent. I love that. That sounds so good. It reminds me a little bit of Witches Get Stuff Done by Molly Harper, which yeah. is about which <laughs> uh, it's about <laughs> a woman who happens to inherit this house on basically like Mackinac islands and she goes there finds out that she now has to stay at this house and oh tada you're a witch so yeah very fun uh, the the trope is the trope because it works so well like you are tied to this house now and you got to figure out your truths okay i'm in sign me up <laughs> <laughs> like the most american version of like a boarding school yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, Claire, Kristen, thank you for joining me today and sharing some witchy reads. This was so fun. Thank you for having us. I love this. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Let us know what you are reading from our lists. Uh, we are on social media. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are at ProBookNerds. And as always, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.